Well, there's no tactful way to come out and say it, but today we're going to talk about Paul not wanting to eat meat, idle meat offered, and what in the world that has to do with us. Rest assured, if you're feeling on edge, this will not be any kind of an apologetic for vegetarianism or anything else, um, but it will help us understand more about what it means to be church today. Mess and chaos and confusion. And in the middle of that, not after it is all tidied up, St. Paul has a word to share. Knowledge puffs up but love builds up. Recall for a moment what it's like to be in a place away from home, a place that's new and exciting, dramatic, a place where different facets of your identity emerge that couldn't anywhere else. This is Corinth. It's a major port, a center for industrial and shipbuilding, as well as the arts. It's a cosmopolitan place that is buzzing with innovation and creativity. And in this port city, people are meeting. Strangers are meeting each other from far and wide. Goods are being exchanged. Ideas are being exchanged. Possibilities are opened. This is the place where the Holy Spirit founds a church through Paul's leadership. And what's remarkable about this church is that much like Corinth itself, it is reminiscent of that Pentecost moment of people speaking one another's languages, of people being from different classes meeting one another and being transformed. This is a place where baptism creates a radically new sense of community, the adopted community, a patchwork of people drawn together by their need of Jesus. But it is not long after the Holy Spirit brings all of these people together that the initial excitement and passion and fervor is waning. This experience has begun to reveal the differences, the subtle different worlds these people have access to. The Corinthians, when they reach out to Paul, they're past the honeymoon phase. And it's the most frightening part because there are only two options after infatuation. They will either move into love for one another or the mission will fail. They will implode and collapse. The key to it all is this. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. In this uncertain and fragile time, the community is full of conflicts they cannot seem to resolve on their own. So in a move of desperation or hope, or just a last resort, some of the people write to their founding pastor, Paul. Here's the situation, they write. Here are the contradictory lives we are living. Can there be life beyond the endless struggles? Some claim to follow you, Paul. Some claim to follow Apollo, some Peter. And then some say they're really following Christ. Who are we to really follow? Tell us, Paul, what to do and we will do it. Tell us who is right. 
And the ethical dilemma we talk about today, can or can we not eat the food offered to idols? Paul is not willing to fall into this trap because to answer the ethical dilemma too quickly, to give them a list outright, he will be turning away from them. Yet Paul turns toward them closer, reflects back to them what he hears. He refers to two groups in this passage, those who possess knowledge on the one hand and the weak on the other. Although it may resonate with our modern ears to think of these in terms of moral categories, the strong and the weak, that's not what's going on here. Paul is talking about the groups of people, two different economic classes that exist together in this church. There are those who are the stronger ones that he's talking about, the ones who have access to knowledge, to learning, to education. Part of their livelihood, part of their social life and their business life is to be part of these rituals, these events, these dinners. But at these events, although they are not participating explicitly in any kind of pagan worship, they are present for eating the meat that comes from the idol worship. For them to deny doing this, this would be a disrespect to their host. It would cause them to be ostracized in their work and their social lives. But for those whose livelihood does not revolve around this, those who are doing the hard work elsewhere, they are wounded by seeing their friends participating in what looks like pagan worship. They are wounded that it seems like their friends are doing something so against Christ. So Paul agrees, yes, I know you're not participating in pagan worship in your heart. That's real and that matters. Perhaps the eating itself is not the problem. But if your association with this is causing wounding to your brothers and sisters in Christ, that also matters. And above all, how you learn to live with one another is how you live with Christ. This isn't about politeness or if the issue is literally about what the meat does or doesn't do to them. This is an issue Paul understands about attunement to one another. Because Christians' attunement to one another and our attunement to God and our attunement to ourselves actually are one wrapped up in the same. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. For Paul, there is no compartmentalized faith here in which there's a spiritual life here and a social life here and a work life over here. For Paul, all of it has to have a congruence. The experience of baptism transforms these people into brothers and sisters, into a shared community bond, and all of it is mediated by Christ. He tells them that the mediator is not him, nor Apollos, nor Peter. The mediator is Christ. 
No matter where you are, whether it's dealing with issues of how to worship or how to be outside of church or how to relate to one another, it all has to have a unity because our relationships are mediated by Christ and in Christ we can hold one another rightly. So this brings us to today, to this snowy morning where we gather for worship, mostly at home, a few here in the pews, when we ask to be given not just knowledge or wisdom, but love. In the celebration of the Eucharist, there's one part that we say that emerges out of the pain and conflict and messiness of the church at Corinth. It is a bold statement, a joyful statement, one that for many of us is imprinted in our muscle memory. The priest proclaims from the table, Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. And the entire body responds, therefore let us keep the feast. These two lines emerge out of Paul's letter to the Corinthians. There's a part we don't say though, that I want to remind us of. The full sentence that Paul writes is therefore let us keep the feast, not with the old bread leavened with malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Not with something old puffed up for vain glory, but something new and truly built up, truly edifying. Love pulsing through Christ's body, building up the community with sincerity and truth. Let us spend our lives drawing close to that holy sincerity and truth because there we will find what we are searching for in the middle of all of our messes. We will find ourselves known by God. Amen.